All right, good evening, everybody. We'll be in Acts chapter 15 tonight, if you want to turn there. Acts 15. A couple things coming up is the volunteer meeting for Breaking Chains, uh, Sunday, March 12th. That's this Sunday. At 3 o'clock. And then the women's luncheon is April 1st, 1030 to 330. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back for that, as well as a flyer. Uh, and then the concert itself is April 22nd. Um, so be in prayer about that, that um, it goes just like God wants it to. Um, Acts chapter 15, very exciting, very good. Um, why we study the book of Acts is so that we can not only know how the church started, but how it's supposed to continue. And uh, this is some really good insight as they're breaking new ground. Last week we discussed in 14 that, you know, they're off starting churches and they don't know what right is and what wrong is. They're just doing it as the Holy Spirit's leading them, as, as, as they've been taught by Jesus and uh, from his word also. Um, and so um, they're, they're doing the hard stuff. You know, we don't have to uh, learn the same and go ha- make the mis- same mistake, you know. We can learn from their mistakes. Uh, um, my, my parents always had hoped that I would learn from their mistakes, and, uh, and I, I haven't. I, <laughs> I repeat them, and I learn, and I say, well, that's what you're talking about. I just, I just confirm the fact that it is a mistake. I just figure I'm the second witness. Um, hopefully, as we go through the book of Acts, especially as a, you know, we're not a young church, but we're a youngish. We're 15 years old is all at this fellowship, hopefully we can, you know, avoid some of these things by watching these guys make some mistakes. And they straighten a lot of stuff out for us, too, that we don't have to straighten out, although we find ourselves having to keep straightening it out. It's been straightened out once before, but Satan loves to come in and tie knots, and he loves to mess things up when it's clear in Scripture how it's supposed to be. And uh, we do have to keep an eye on that and make sure, you know, a little maintenance now and then to make sure everything's straight in the way God wants it. That's what prayer time does. That's what your quiet times do. That's what times together as a fellowship in his word does. Um, This isn't the end all for our walk with Jesus tonight. Um, It's just a little vitamin pill in our walk with the Lord, but it does help us to get some things straightened out maybe that need to be, you know, in our hearts. Um, we didn't realize things were happening, but they were, and we're going to see him do that for us here tonight. It's, uh, it's a great blessing to read these uh, narratives from, from Dr. Luke. Anyway, verse 1, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, they're all believers in this first section here. They're just Jewish believers, Gentile believers, and then there's Paul and Barnabas who are Jewish but um, have understood things a little more clearly, and they need to get things straightened out with these guys because this is a pretty serious accusation. Some disputes in the church, they're disputes, and they're, they're debatable. They're, we can agree to disagree on these things. This isn't one of them. This isn't one of them. Um, because it says you cannot be saved. This is a salvation issue here. You cannot be saved unless you get circumcised. You cannot be born again, which is well, obviously a very big deal. And we can see it's a big deal on Paul and Barnabas' part. 
um, that this can't just be, yeah, 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 okay, we'll circumcise them, and, and, and as long as that makes you happy, I'll be happy, and at least they got, you know, I know they're saved by grace, but we'll do the circumcision anyway just to make you guys happy. Mm. They want to be careful about that, so much so that there was not a small dissension. It wasn't a small dispute, but this was raging, okay, um, and it was that important. So they decide to go to get things straightened out of Jerusalem. Let's go talk to the apostles and the elders. And this is an interesting thing for us to note. There were leaders in the church. There are leaders there. They had to go to the leaders to see what they thought about this thing. Hey, you guys were there with Jesus. You guys have been here from the beginning. What, what say you on this matter? Let's, let's seek the Lord on this thing. And they went there. It's important to understand that. Um, there's a... People shy away from that. There's a fear, and I, and I think maybe an earned fear or a justified fear of leadership in the church, um, authority in the church. It's almost a, a dirty word to say that because it has been lorded over the people for such a long time. We have such a history in the church of, of the, the, uh, the priests and so on being over the laity, the Nicolaitans, the deeds of the Nicolaitans we hate, the lording over. And that, that's not what this is. This is, we understand you've been called to this position, James, and some of the big boys in Jerusalem. We want to take this to you, this dispute. This is about the gospel. This is about salvation. If anybody's going to know, you guys are. And there was a great respect for those guys. They didn't lord it over the people by any means, but there was an understanding we need to get this straightened out by the apostles and the elders. So... They want to go there. You'll notice it says that they uh, came down. Certain men came down from Judea or Jerusalem, and then they go up to Jerusalem. Technically, these guys are north of Jerusalem. And see, we got this is a little cultural thing for you, but when, whenever you talk about Jerusalem, it's always you're going up. Makes no difference of where you are. It doesn't make any difference about altitude. Jerusalem is the city on a hill. I mean, it is God's shining city. And so it doesn't matter if you're in, at the North Pole, you're going to go up to Jerusalem. Okay? Uh, and then when you leave Jerusalem, you're going to go down, you know, to, to the North Pole is the idea. So um, Jerusalem's always up. It's just out of respect. Um, so that's why they say it the way they do. If you try to get a geographic, you know, that's why I go up to Sioux City and I go down to Kansas City, right, from here. That's not how it works here. Okay. Um, so there was this dispute for these guys. Both are genuine in their opinions. Please understand that. Both are saved. Both are born again. Both have Jesus in their hearts. These certain men, um, these Judaizers, they're called, um, but so do Paul and Barnabas, and so do the Gentiles. And so it's a serious thing. So they want to get this thing straightened out. So they go. So being sent on their way by the church, so the church all agrees, they pass through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. That was a big deal for them. You need to be a Jew first. That's what the circumcision kind of represents. You're a, you're a son of Abraham. okay? Uh, and then you get saved. It's, it's through us. It's a step. You know, uh, so through us, and then that we don't want to bypass Moses, the law, our heritage. 
everything God's given us so far, this is just added to, in their opinion, what God's already done. And it isn't. It isn't. It's a different deal. And so they would walk around following, knowing that Paul and Barnabas wouldn't do this, following them amongst the Gentiles. And when they would leave, come in and say, hey, you need to be circumcised. I know you say you're saved, but you're really not saved until this takes place in your life. Um, And it's very dangerous. And so you can see why Paul and Barnabas are upset about this. Um, To be honest, Barnabas wasn't upset with this at first. Okay? Um, At first, Barnabas was kind of on board with this. Uh, We know that from, um, let's see, I've got it in my notes, but I didn't, i make sure I have it here. Bear with me. My humming helps the awkward silence, so I'll hum now and then. Um, hmm. I probably should have wrote it down, shouldn't I? Well, you know the story. I'll tell you the story since I don't know the scripture. By the time I'm done with the story, you guys will have the scripture. You'll be able to shout it out to me. But... Um, Paul, after he had got done ministering, Peter had come to visit them at one of these churches on their first missionary trip. And when Peter was there, he was all excited about the Galatians or about, about the, the new believers of the Gentiles. But these Judaizers would come in afterwards and were there at the same time. Peter, seeing these Judaizers, um, decided to separate during the eating thing and not eat with the Gentiles and only eat with the Judaizers and the Jews because it was not right for them to mix as a Jew to sit with Gentiles. And so there was this dispute. And it says that Paul withstood Peter to his face chewed him out in front of everybody. How can you say this? How can you do this? Don't you understand that these guys are saved by faith just like we're saved by faith? And so Paul's been doing this fight a lot longer. And he even says at the end there that even Barnabas got carried away with this situation. So Barnabas was on board with Peter when they had this division at the Gentile church. So this is new. I mean, it's not new to Paul. But Barnabas has just come on board. Peter had to get a vision with the sheet coming down to get on board with this whole Gentile thing, uh, not having to become Jews first and so on. And so they're Johnny-come-latelys to this. But Paul, this is important, and it's important to understand about every brother and sister out there, Paul came from being a Pharisee of Pharisees. He came from being a Jew of all Jews. He's come from trying to be pure by the law. And when you get bit by that snake, you run from that thing and you recognize it. And boy, you remember. You try to, any kid that's getting bit, got bit by a dog before the age of three, they don't like dogs, do they? And boy, you'll see it in their eyes. They've been bit. You can tell something's happened to them. Paul's one of those guys, he recognizes legalism like that. Maybe the rest of the guys don't. Maybe they can get carried away. Maybe they're not sure about this one doctrine. But if, any, if Paul knows anything, he knows what I had is dung, he says. What I was doing was worthless. And when I see that, and I got bit by it, creeping back into this grace that I've discovered, boy, he puts his fists up quick. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. You need that. 
in the body of Christ, we've got a lot of people that have been bit by a lot of different things. And you wonder, you're kind of overreacting to this, aren't you? You have no idea how I've been bit. And you have no idea how serious this can be. It may look like it's no big deal right now, but it has, it's, if it gets legs, if it infests, if this little bit of leaven is left unchecked, oh man, watch out, you know. So Paul's been bit by this, and Paul knows, and Paul's right, by the way. He's got his doctrine down. He understands what he's been saved from, that legalistic relationship with God, attempting to be justified by the law. And he hears these guys coming in saying, okay, so grace given by God isn't sufficient, and you're going to add circumcision to it? Uh Uh-uh. We're not adding anything to this. We're adding nothing to this. And it's, how could you be so black and white, Paul? Because he knows you add one little thing, you will add another, you will add another. It's like a magnet just begins to collect things around it. And pretty soon, you've got Judaism 2.0. That's it. And Paul understands something. No, Jesus fulfilled the law. I believe it's this, it's, it's this issue right here, chapter 15, that causes, I think, Paul to write Hebrews. And I, that, obviously, I think he's the writer of that, or the author of Hebrews. We don't know who the author is, but I think that's why he writes Hebrews, to tell the Hebrews that Jesus has fulfilled everything, and that they're not to be Hebrews anymore. We're just saved. We're just born again. And so... He's got some guys on his side. They're all down there, and they all have valid opinions anyway, but they're not right opinions. They're valid. We can understand where they're coming from is what I mean, but they're not correct. And so these guys get up right away and say, you must be circumcised to be saved. No, 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 no. That can't be, that can't be the case. And that can't be the case in 2017 with anything else people try to add to Jesus. It's either Jesus and you and your hearts, and that's it, or you've got a whole nother religion going on there, not a relationship, a whole nother religion that's just starting to spark, and that's how cults start, and that's how weird legalism starts. It creeps in with one little thing. It seems okay, you know? It's just one little thing. How could it hurt? It could only help. I mean, it's a good practice, right? It's a good, it's a good thing to, to keep us away from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's build a fence. Even though God just told us we can smell it, we can look at it, we can touch it, we can do whatever, we just can't eat of it. Let's just build a fence so we don't smell it, so we don't look at it, so we don't touch it, because that makes sense. If we're not supposed to eat it, we shouldn't do any of those things either. Well, if that's the case, maybe we should you know, build a wall or a dome over this tree, and that's how it starts. And pretty soon, everybody's nodding and agreeing, and they're looking and saying, it's a good thing we got that tree all secured up. But all you got is a bunch of people with their faces pressed to the glass, you know? God wanted us to not eat the fruit because we love Him. That was the problem. Likewise, I want this relationship. I don't want you to build up a legalistic thing. I don't want a binding contract with you. I want a relationship like a husband and wife. That's why he keeps using marriage as an example. And so these guys, that's all they know. They're Pharisees, right? We've got to get them circumcised. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that my mouth 
that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. That's a big thing for him to say, considering how he got withstood to his face by Paul earlier on, right? He, and you got you to gotta give it to him. You know, he made a mistake. He was in error. Paul corrected him and he received it. That's a good thing to receive that. And so he's the first one to speak up here. Good for you, buddy. Peter, I, I love this. He's the first one to stand up. It was Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16 was that passage I was looking for. And it's the very first one that I wrote down here that I couldn't find. Okay, that tells you where my mind's at tonight. I apologize. But that's where it is, where... Peter got withstood to his face by Paul. Galatians 2, verses 11 through 16. Okay. He speaks up. And look what he says here. Look at the doctrine here. Understand the, the basics he's trying to drive home. So he, he doesn't go to his opinion. He doesn't go with, uh, let's mix some scriptures together and figure this out. He says, so God, <laughs> that kind of puts an end to it, doesn't it? So God who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Well, I don't think we can argue with God. God said they were okay. God gave them the Holy Spirit. God thinks they're saved, is what he's trying to get at. God says they're saved. I don't know what we're arguing about, you know. And he purified them, purified their hearts by faith. You always say we're saved by faith, right? Saved through grace, by faith, and so on. But did you know you're purified by faith, too? I love that. Of course I want to comply. Of course I want to be better. I want to look more like my dad. I want to act more like my dad. I want to be different. I don't want to be a rebellious, bratty kid in God's kingdom. I want to be obedient to him. I want to look like him. But that doesn't purify me. What purifies me is faith in him. Truly, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us, not just for salvation, but purity. It's so important to understand when God looks at me, he doesn't see impurity. He sees a purified, past tense, and he's purifying at the same time. He sees a saved, being saved, will be saved. He sees all that in the same time. I am purified by faith in Christ. I like that. It's so important. Um, if you turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 22... Paul, writing to the Romans, says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins uh, that were previously committed uh, to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Paul builds on all of this that's happening in chapter 15 and all of his other writings as well. He builds on this. He actually rewrites the letter that we're going to read here in chapter 15. The church writes a letter to the church, 
from Jerusalem to the rest of the churches. And Paul quotes this letter, but adds to it. He changes it, especially in Corinthians, because Paul knows. Paul's, Paul knows. Thank goodness for Paul. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if Paul hadn't been there to withstood Peter to his face? If he wasn't able to pull Barnabas back from the brink of legalism? If he wasn't here at this meeting right now? I know it's a work of the Holy Spirit, but you know what? All these guys are filled with the Spirit, but only one of them is really putting up the fight right here for grace, for mercy, for faith, for being justified just with Jesus. Thank you, Paul, <laughs> for that. Because who knows where we'd be now. And so he's changed everything. He's changing everything. Christ, when he came, put away all the things we used to do to be righteous. The keeping of the law, the, the memorizing of the Ten Commandments and making sure that was how we got to go to heaven, was making sure we kept all of that by wearing the right garments, by keeping away from the right foods, from uh, walking the right way and the right distances, depending upon the day. So much legalism. And Christ has said, no, it's, it's just me. It's just me. I've fulfilled all that. You're complete in me. Complete is complete. It's not like kind of complete. That is it's oxymoron. We're complete in Christ. And to add something to it. I'd love to, you know, all of us, I've, I've had the benefit of coming out of, I was churched in another denomination. Some of you were, got saved in Calvary Chapel, so you don't know. You don't even know what's out there. You don't know where, you've, where people have come from or what, what other, you go to other churches, like, you'd walk into some place, you'd be like, man, this is weird. They're brothers and sisters, but they just do things a lot differently. And they even add some stuff to it. And you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what's out there that's accepted as normal. It's like they didn't read 15. It's like they didn't see this argument and this straightening out and somehow or another it's crept in. There's some strange things that we can add to it. So I came out of something like that that was, had a lot of legalism to it in the sense that it was Christ, yes, the place I came out of thought you could get saved by whoever the pastor was. When they baptized you as a baby, his faith was passed on to you through christening. What? Well, how, how does that work? And if that's, I mean, I, I went to Dana College. I know I told you this story, but you got, I got to tell you it. I went to Dana College. It's a Lutheran college, hint, hint, where I came out of. And the, the chaplain there, I had a lot of problems there. I was, I was Paul there, I think. Um, a dumb Paul, though. <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. I just knew I had to argue with everybody. Um, but I, he, I talked to him. I said, so, so we, really, we really think that? That you, that you have the faith to pass to the, to the child when you're christening them? He goes, yes. I said, then why are you not standing on top of a building with a hose and saying the right words? And you know what he said to me? That's a good idea. Okay, you're not getting any more money from me. That's the last check I write to this place. That's a good idea, he said, because he didn't have an argument. He knew it was dumb. When you take these things to their logical conclusion, you figure it out, but people stop. Okay, if this is true, why couldn't we do this then or that or the other? Let's go all the way with this then. So let's get on top of a building or during a good rain shower, pray for the city and we're all saved. Next, let's go to L.A., and boy, we'd have this world whooped, wouldn't we? That's a good idea, he said. Mm. 
No personal responsibility. And it went on from there. We've got to put up the fight. It isn't enough just to be saved. I mean, it is. To get saved, to be saved, you're saved. That's fine. But as long as we're going to be a witness and a light and salt on this earth, and sometimes you've got to be salt. Light's easy. Light, you just stand there and you just, everybody gets mad at you because they like to be in the dark. And that just comes. There's nothing you can do about being, being righteous and being with Christ and being out loud about it. But salt is where you actually have to say something like this right here. This wasn't okay. This wasn't going to go on. We weren't going to agree to disagree. Paul had to go, let's go all the way to Jerusalem. All of us, let's go. Let's get this straightened out now because this can't stand. And so he got to be salt. Uncomfortable, difficult. They didn't like him in the first place. Remember how long it took him to even get in the doors at these places? And now he's going to stand up in front of them. But it works. Everybody's pliable. Everybody's teachable. This is the kind of dissension if you really are in tune with the Holy Spirit and pay attention to God, which they all are, it works out great here. I mean, we're going to get to it. I know I can't stop talking, but it's, it's going to work out great. And there's going to be a dissension later on that doesn't work out great in the same chapter. Okay. But here's the dissension. Okay. So there's a big argument. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved in the same manner as they. They don't get saved like us. We get saved like them. That was news. The Gentiles were still second-class citizens. It's really hard to break that. I mean, I don't care how, much, how many civil rights things happened in the 60s and the 70s. It took a long time to get that ingrained thought and still is there, unfortunately, in a lot of places that ingrained thought out of people's heads. Yes, I know everybody has a right to vote and everybody is equal and everybody can drink from the same drinking fountains, but it's hard for them to get that out of their heads sometimes and to not say things that they're used to saying. This was huge when Peter looks at them and says, no, the Gentiles aren't graciously given an opportunity to join our clique. We have to abandon this and get saved like they do. That was huge. That's a huge deal for them. Not abandon, that's probably a strong word. They don't have to abandon their Jewish faith. They have to understand that this has now changed. Old covenant, new covenant is what I mean by that. We need to let go of trying to keep the law for salvation and for righteousness and understand we embrace Christ, that he's, that he's done that for us. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through Uh, through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, that's that's, uh, Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. So look what James does. This is a wise ruler, and he is in charge of the church, by the way, not Peter. James is the one who's going to make the final decree here. Okay, so here's the first pope, not Peter. Just kidding. He goes to God's word. I'm glad we're hearing testimonies about miracles. I love what God's done. I like what you guys are saying, as long as it confirms with God's word. We always bounce it off God's word. He says, and here's what's written. The prophets agree with what these guys have said. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. 
so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So even the prophets have forewarned us, or that's probably how they looked at it, a warning, have told us that these guys are going to get saved. So it's confirmed, it's happening. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge, I decree, I declare, this is the end of it, is what that means. That we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders and the whole church. I had to add that to there so you understand the outcome. James stands up, stands up, and this is what we call a word of wisdom. This is a word of the Holy Spirit. This isn't just James speaking here. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through James, and we'll discover that at the end of this chapter. This is James saying, Guys, listen, it's occurred to me. God's put this on my mind is what he's saying. And he lays out some scripture that God's placed on his heart. Do you remember Amos, James? Read that to him. Yes, Lord. And he reads this scripture and he says, see, this is all happening. We don't have to, and this is what God's word does. And this is what the Holy Spirit does, who is the comforter. He comes into turmoil. He comes into craziness and this arguing and disputing. You can imagine how these guys are blustering at one another, right? And James stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit, says some of God's word, and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, that's great. They all calm down. They're all like, that's the Lord. Hey, I like that. And that's what grace does. Grace brings peace. The Holy Spirit brings peace. That's one of the biggest things I could ever tell anybody. I don't know if God wants me to do this or that. I've been praying. I've laid out fleeces. I'm all I said, man, whatever you do, don't do it unless you have a peace about it. God brings peace. It may not be easy, but he'll give you peace in your heart knowing this is what I'm supposed to do. So important. Do you have a peace about it? This brings peace. Look at this. Uh, We should just write about these four things and we'll find out later on. This is what Paul changes. Those four abstinence things, Paul magnifies later on, especially in Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, But these are the four things we need to steer clear of. And those are abstaining from love, not from legalism. It's not like saying, well, let's whittle it down to four laws that they have to keep. That's not what he's saying. That's why he says abstain. Watch out. Be careful. Steer clear of this stuff, not for your salvation's sake, but for other people's sake, okay, that have a, have a tough time. Freedom's a lot to swallow for some people. It's hard for them. Ask any uh, person who's been in prison for maybe over 10 years. They have a difficult time readjusting to society again. They're not used to having that ability to choose what food they're going to eat or when they're going to eat it or when they're going to go to the bathroom or when the doors are opened or when the doors are closed. They have a real hard time. Some actually would rather go back to prison because they're more comfortable there. And of course, I doesn't, that doesn't even compute with me, but I've never been in that situation before. But for someone who's been chained and imprisoned and put in a cage for so long, They'd rather be there sometimes. And, and that's what's happened. Christ has broken chains. He has set people free. But some people are still sitting there kind of fiddling with them. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's okay or not. I, whenever, I, 
Whenever I went away from this chain, I always got in trouble, so I'm going to stay here. Even though I can go, and Christ has told me I can go, I just feel more comfortable in these chains. Careful, you know. Be careful for them. We don't need to drag them out saying, you need to just get over it, buddy. You've got to be careful and be sensitive to those things. And that's what those four abstinence things are all about. You've got a lot of Jews that just got saved. And they're still not sure about the whole circumcision thing. They're going to agree with James and they're going to do what he says. But I don't know, man. We just always got circumcised. I mean, that's just what you do, you know. Okay. Well, don't do these four things in front of them or around them because that's going to cause them to stumble. And we don't want that. And Paul, again, I will read 14 here in a minute from 1 Corinthians. And he does say why we do these things. So just let's write him these things. And it says, it says in verse 22, Then it pleased the apostles and elders and the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. So Paul, Barnabas, I want you to go back and tell all those guys, we're good. Take this letter with you. And so they don't think you wrote it yourself. Take some of these guys from our council with you too to confirm the fact that you're not lying about this freedom that you have, this grace. So do this. So uh, here's the letter they wrote. The apostles, the elders, the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and, and keep the law, to whom we gave no such command. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. What a great letter, right? That's a great letter. So I'm sending you these guys with you. We heard that some guys from us came out and troubled you, and that was troubling. Imagine, you may not be saved. I feel saved. I feel born again. I got baptized even. I was excited. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking in tongues even. Who knows what gifts they might have, you know? Yeah, 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 I know that. That's exciting. No, I'm glad. That's great. But you might not be saved. Well, that's a little disconcerting. So now I've got to wait for these guys to get back from this council to know if I'm going to heaven or not. I might not be saved, Mom. You know, this is a big deal. And so they, they understand the gravity of this. They've gone out, and we didn't tell them to do this. They've just taken it upon themselves to go out there and trouble you. It's not so. It's not the case. So don't listen to that. So here's our letter, and here's the word testimony from Judas and Silas to confirm it to you. So, um, you know, good news, good news. Um, they use the word of God for the truth. They used the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke through James, and it says that the Holy Spirit said that we should do this. And so it's good. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, so verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. 
Now, Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. So they're prophets. Now, I don't know if they were prophesying or whether they were just teaching the word of God. It seems to indicate that when you speak of the glories of God, you're prophesying. And so um, it could have been that as well. But anyway, whatever they were doing in this, in this uh, spirit of prophecy or prophets, um, it was a blessing to the people, really encouraged them, not just with the letter and freedom and salvation you really saved, but went on, you know, beyond that to, to build them up and to encourage them. I like that. So crisis averted, right? First, uh, first church split uh, averted through this wonderful time that these guys, brothers, went and hashed things out because it was a big deal. Now, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there Silas said, I don't, I don't want to go back. I want to, st- I want to go in the mission field with these guys. This is exciting. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord uh, with, with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Let's go back through and see how they're doing. Second missionary trip. Let's see how things are going, Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. That was the guy that bailed on them in the first time. Remember, he left like a day after they got on the ship. I got to go home. And he took off. That made Paul mad. Um, but Barnabas and this Mark, they're cousins. So there's something, you know, there's, there's a special relationship there. They're just, they're cousins. There's grace. So let's, I, I want to, we've got to take Mark with us. Let's give him a second shot. He's grown up a little bit. But Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the, to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia strengthening the churches. Another division here. This one doesn't get hashed out. This one doesn't get worked out. What's the problem? Um, Barnabas and Paul are good brothers in the Lord, both filled with the Holy Spirit, both gifted in the Holy Spirit. But this isn't a matter of salvation, is it? This isn't a matter of salvation. This is a matter of style. This is a matter of uh, preference. Um, God uses it. Even with it being a sharp contention, God uses it to start two missionary trips. In fact, later on, uh, Paul in Romans 14, 21, 1 Corinthians 8, 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 25. Oh, no, wrong ones. I'll tell you what. Colossians 4, 10, Philippians 1, 24, and 2 Timothy 4, 11 describes how John Mark's a blessing now. It worked. It worked. Barnabas took Mark under his wing, trained him up in the ways of the Lord. In 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, hey, bring John Mark to me. He's useful for me in the ministry. In Philippians 1.24 and Colossians 4.10, he says, Mark's with me in the ministry. So Mark eventually comes on board, but Paul doesn't want him there now. So Barnabas' mission works. Barnabas' style works. It's okay. On the other hand, the New Testament doesn't follow Barnabas, follows Paul from here on out. I'm not saying who's right or wrong here, but God decided to follow Paul in his word and not Barnabas. And so Paul was right too, in a sense. 
How could this have gone better? What caused the sharp contention? They couldn't figure out how the ministry was going to go on without each other being together. Could have very easily been understood and just, and and I'm bringing this up now because it's important to stop church divisions, to stop things from going on in people's minds. Look, if you've got another style or another way of ministry that you want to do, go for it. Go do it. Absolutely. Hey, Barnabas, if you've got a heart for John Mark, take him. I, I just don't want to go with him on this trip. I think I'm going to need someone who's going to be stable beside me in this. I, I know that you'll take care of him and all, but I may need you to take care of me when I'm in jail and stuff. And I don't want John Mark messing, you know. I've got to, so you take John Mark and I'm going to go with Silas and we're going to go do this. Okay, that's, it's okay. Hey, it was a good trip, brother. It was a good trip. I'm glad we were together for this first trip. Now, go in the spirit of God and may God bless you and multiply you and whatever kind of blessing you want to... That's how it should have gone down. It's okay. It's okay to have people decide that I think I want to do something different, you know? I don't want to do this, Paul. I don't want to be... I don't want it to be the Paul and Barnabas show. It doesn't matter, you know? That's what causes the sharp contention here. That's what causes a funny, odd chapter. And thank goodness for God's honesty, right? He puts it in here. There's a sharp contention. It didn't have to be sharp. It could have been, this is what I want to go do. Go do it, Barnabas. May God be with you. Our problem is, their problem is, that they thought that the other should be doing what they're doing. You should be doing what I'm doing, Paul. You should be doing that. I don't feel like that's what God wants me to do. You should be doing what I'm doing. You should understand how bad, you know, and that's, that's how it starts. Instead of just saying, hey, go for it, man. Go for it. In the spirit of Christ, go for it. It's okay. There's blessed subtractions sometimes. There's blessed divisions. It doesn't have to be a sharp contention. It can just be, we feel like God's leading us to do something else. Hey, go for it. God bless you. And, and let us do what God's called us to do too. And God bless us as well. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. None of this is doctrinal. None of this is scriptural problems, you know. It just is a sharp contention because we have very strong personalities here. And they both thought they should be doing what each other is doing. That's important. Understand that about that. In the body of Christ, there are some times when a person is... You know, we have people leave our fellowship all the time. We've never had a big church split, but we've had people leave all the time. And it's good. It's okay. It's not a bad thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a big, well, we're not talking to them at high V when we see them next time and all that. No, who cares? Go for it. You know, it's not a doctrinal issue. Go for it and, and God be with you. And, 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 and I pray that it goes well. And you know what? If God's not in it, it won't go. Don't worry about it. And if God's in it, I mean, that's Gamaliel's, that was his big thing. Look, if God's in it, we're going to be fighting God. If God's not in it, it'll come to nothing. There's no reason to be sharp about it. Just let it go. Anyway, it can be avoided. It doesn't, it can be just a nice, hey, I feel like God's leading me to do something else. Hey, go for it. God bless you, you know. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how churches grow. That's how the, the word of God spreads. Now we have two missionary trips taking place at the same time instead of just one. Um, it's neat. It's neat. 
And so they went through and they went, doing the, they went to do their thing. And uh, Barnabas gets to do his thing with Mark and, and Mark's a blessing. I don't know if Paul and Barnabas ever get, you never hear them mention each other ever again. I don't know if they ever patched things up or not. I hope they did. You know, the Bible says that you're not supposed to let the sun go down on your anger. It doesn't look like they, they got things straightened out that night, you know. <laughs> um, it took some time, and, uh, and there was fruit from both. There was fruit from both. It's a good thing. So anyway, and then they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I like that. They went through. Now, it's, it's great. Salvation is, is important. Evangelism is important. That's very good. But we also want to teach them. And we want them to continue. We want them to grow. Um, and we want them to grow up into what God wants them to be. And so they're going to go back through and straighten some things out with them. And um, that's a real blessing. So we learn a lot. We learn a lot from these guys. Didn't have to go down like that. The council, on the other hand, did have to go down like that. We need to get salvation figured out. If we don't know how to tell people to get saved, we're in trouble. You know, we've got some weird things going on. So they got that straightened out. But this one could have gone better. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, you were faithful to put it on uh, Luke's heart to write all this down um, so that we can learn from it, so that we can grow from it, so we can see how your Holy Spirit moved through James and ministered and straightened things out when things were getting kind of funny there at the Jerusalem Council. And uh, we thank you for that. We pray the same for ourselves. Uh, when we have problems, when we're confused, when, when we're not sure what to do next, um, Lord, we, as we bring it before you in prayer, well, first of all, I pray that we would remember to bring it to you in prayer. And as we wait on you, God, I pray that we'd wait long enough for your Holy Spirit to speak, to bring peace, to have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that just makes everything make sense, God. Um, we don't have your perspective. We can't see like you do. We only see 10% of what's really happening spiritually. And so, God, I pray that you'd um, we trust your um, your decree, your commands. And so, God, would you give those to us when we bring these things before you in prayer? Lord, these folks, um, we're all growing. We've all come here tonight to enjoy your word and to be led by your spirit and to learn from you. And I pray that you keep this in our hearts. We may not need it tonight, or maybe we did. We may need it later. We may have thought we needed something different from you tonight, but God, this is what you gave us. And so we have to understand and, and accept this was what was best for us tonight. So we thank you for that. So you've protected us uh, from problems later on if we heed your word tonight, if we apply it to our lives. Um, you've given us even peace in our hearts even maybe tonight. Maybe we've been praying about something and this was a word from you for us. And uh, uh, we're thankful for that as well, God. So keep that unity, Lord, that peace um, that comes only by your Holy Spirit from people submitted to you, submitted to your Holy Spirit, simply servants in your kingdom can't argue about whether the other servant's doing what the other servant's supposed to be doing, but we just want to listen to our master and make sure that we're doing what you want us to do. And we have to understand that about each other, God. And we thank you for your direction, your guidance, your leadership, and your, you being king. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.